I couldn't breathe. I was trying to scream for help, but I couldn't move. It was like I was paralyzed. And all of a sudden, the lights went out. Like everything just went pitch black. And almost immediately, this bright light came around me. And for the first time in my life, I felt free. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Lay. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Lay. Hi, this is Evangelist Onlay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to be talking to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. And we've been talking about second chances and whether or not God gives them to us. In our last few shows, Esteban Medina told us how he developed bitterness and anger in his heart towards his parents because of his lifestyle as a gang member and drug user was directly influenced by his parents. And all those choices resulted in landing him in prison. And as soon as he got out of prison, he got right into selling drugs. But what happened was he dealt with a lot of pain and hurt in his life and he used alcohol to numb himself. But it got to the point where his main goal in life was to drink at home constantly. I mean, he was telling us of how this addiction gave way to a full liver disease situation where he's at the hospital being told that he's going to die in that hospital and he will not be able to go home. Today, he's going to tell us of how, well, he did die, and he had an experience with God, and then he came back. Esteban, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, of course, my friend. I'm excited to finally hear about what happened when you died and what you had experienced. So going back to the time when you were told that you weren't going to make it, you know, from the doctors, what was your response to that? So... When I had gone to the hospital, they told me I had a 5% chance to live for the next three months. And uh, they would be surprised if I made it that long. So I think during the day when my family was there, everything was like so surreal. It didn't seem real. But when they left and I was by myself, like I started to look back at my life and like asking myself, where did it go? You know, mm-hmm. what did I do with it? Like, and this is it. This is how I'm going to die. And I just was trying to think of any way because... I'm used to manipulating or trying to get my way or figuring out how to get what I want. And there was no way I could go about that right now. Uh And I remember my wife and her mom, they used to talk to us about God. And I was like, when are you going to be ready to surrender? And I remember that night just being like so broken and just saying like, God, I don't want to be like this. Help me. That was the biggest prayer I ever prayed, I guess. And my wife had came in the next day, and what had happened that night was somebody died. They had me in ICU, and I had a roommate, and he passed away. And I heard everything happen. And the nurses came in after that happened, and they were like, that's going to happen to you next. Oh, my gosh. And she goes, it would be better if you let us put this band on you. And I was like, what is this band? And she said, it's a do not resuscitate band. She goes, because if that happens, we could hurt you, and you don't want your kids to see you like that. You don't want your family to see you like that. And she pretty much told me, like, you're done. There's no helping you. So you might as well just let yourself go. <laughs> and I remember being, like, so scared, and I told her, I was like, go ahead, put it on me. Oh. And my wife came in the next day, and she was like, what is that? And I told her, and she cut it off immediately. 
And me and her started talking and I told her, you got to forgive me for everything that I've done. And like, I forgive you for everything that you've done. I said, but we need to just like, we need to come to God right now and give our lives to him. We need to surrender. And that was the start of it because I ended up being in the hospital for nine months. And every day they spoke death on me. Every day they told me, I can't believe you're still alive. My body deteriorated. I was 97 pounds. I couldn't walk. I couldn't stand. I was in a diaper. So from the way that I used to live and then being bedridden and wearing a diaper, it humbled me. And on February 14th for Valentine's Day, my wife had to rush me to the hospital because the toxins were building up in my brain. And I was hallucinating and just, you know, going through some things. And my wife, she drove like two hours from Colorado Springs to Denver. And I don't know how she did it because I was like yelling and irate and, you know, having hallucinations. And my wife got me there and then they strapped me down in the bed and they thought I was drinking. It was a really bad episode of it. And my wife finally just put hands on me and started praying and I was able to calm down. Man, so you're deteriorating fast at this point. And I understand that you remember this leading to your sudden death. What happened? So, so the next day, I remember waking up and I couldn't breathe. I was trying to scream for help, but I couldn't move. It was like I was paralyzed. I remember the nurse tapping my chest and like rubbing on it. And she was talking to me. I could see her, but I couldn't say nothing. Mm. And I remember like I was freaking out because I couldn't breathe. And all of a sudden, the lights went out. Like everything just went pitch black. And almost immediately this bright light came around me and the best way to describe it is for the first time in my life i felt free i felt free from the pain i was dealing with at the time i was free from everything like i didn't have no hate no unforgiveness or no bitterness just i was completely free from everything and there was this voice and this voice it was like really powerful but at the same time so gentle and he started talking to me about forgiveness And I was like, I can't forgive these people. I'll never forgive these people. And I think that was because of the way I was brought up and being in prisons and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm never going to forgive. And he told me, if I could forgive you for everything that you've done, then how come you can't forgive something so little? And I remember like seeing flashbacks of just things that I've done. And I remember I started crying and I was like begging him to take it from me. And I was like, please take it. I don't want it no more. I don't want to hold on to it. And he told me, go back and be with your family. You're going to be healed. And let my people know that I'm coming soon. During this time, I guess they resuscitated me and put me on life support. So I was in a coma for three days at the time, but it only seemed like a couple seconds. And when I woke up, my wife was by my side. And after they did test on me, they pulled the tubes out of my throat. And I looked at my wife and I said, how long was I dead for? And she was like, what do you mean? You were right here. I said, no, I wasn't here. I was gone. And I told her what happened. And I asked her, I said, can you call my mom? She called my mom, and the first time in 28 years of my life, I told my mom I'm sorry, and I love her, and I forgive her for everything. And we both cried on the phone for a little bit, and then I called my dad. The hate for my dad was a lot more because, like, he was the cause of everything. And a conversation I had had with him previous to that was, if I see you, I'm going to smash you. I don't want to see you. But I called my dad and I told him I was sorry for the way that I treated him. And I asked him if he could forgive me. And I told him I forgive him for everything. And I just remember it felt so good that I was like, who else can I call? So that happened in February. And I was only supposed to live the three months. That would have been March. And like I said, my body was deteriorating. I was falling apart. 
And actually six months later, I was still there. And the doctor was like, wow, dude, I don't know what's going on. The faith that I had when I came out of the coma, because the doctors would, you know, still speak death on me and stuff like that. And I would tell them, like, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And I mean, if you see me, you wouldn't expect that coming out from me because I'm covered in tattoos. So here it is nine months down the road. You know, since the first time I was in the hospital and I had to go in front of a board of doctors and tell them why I deserve a liver. And there was nothing good I could really go in and say because I've never done anything good in my life. Mm-hmm. I told them I've given my life to God and I want to help other people that are dealing with this. And I want to be there for my kids. I'm not ready to die yet. And about three or four days later, we got an envelope saying that I got accepted on the transplant list. Oh, wow. You know, it's like suddenly everything turned for you and you literally got a second chance at life when you came to know Christ. (laughs) I understand that since then, your life has completely changed. Like the drug use stopped, the alcohol use stopped, and your whole family came to know Christ as their savior, which is amazing. This experience really changed your life. What would you say to the person who was on the path that you were on, you know, maybe they're dealing with drugs, alcohol, and they feel like just giving up and they feel like maybe that God would not give them a second chance, that maybe he wouldn't forgive them. What would you say to them? Don't give up. My life changed because I've always had a desire to like help youth from making the same mistakes that I've done. And I was never living right. But when I surrendered my life to God, he opened that door. And we've now had a ministry called Second Chance Through Faith, where we reach out to kids that are incarcerated, that are on the streets, in the gangs. And what the devil tries to use for harm, God will turn it around and use it for his glory. That is amazing, Estefan. Your life is truly an example of how God can turn someone's life around and give them a second chance at life. I love how your ministry is now extending God's second chance to others through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love how God restored your family and that you're a loving, present father and a husband for your family, correct? Yes. I'm also here for my kids and my family. That is awesome, Estevan. Thanks again for encouraging us on the show. It really was a great time. Hold on. I want to speak into your life right after the break. Hey, everyone. As an evangelist, I'm really into changing people's lives with a powerful message of the cross. Do you know people are getting set free from drugs, addictions, and internal anguish by the power of the Holy Spirit working through our show? Will you ask the Holy Spirit if He wants you to partner with us financially? Every donation will help us to reach 1 million more people. Think of it. 30 people giving $100 a month will bring this show in front of 1 million more people. Will you help me to get to one more city in the U.S.? You can give by going to awakenthenations.com. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More Real Life starts now. Welcome back, where we're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? I think it's amazing how someone who was so entrenched in his generational curses and habits was able to break free from it all through faith in Jesus Christ. Because the problem was that he discovered that he could not change himself. He was like a slave to that alcohol addiction, the drugs, all of it. He didn't care anymore. And I sense that there's someone who is at that point in their lives 
And they're saying, I don't care anymore, just whatever. But Estevan's answer was not trying himself, but giving his life to Jesus in order to get a new beginning, a true new beginning. Some try to move and have their own new beginning. Like they move away or they try to do a new job. They try to run away, change something, reset their own life. But friend, there's only one true way you can have a new beginning. And it's revealed in ancient scriptures where it is written in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When we give our lives to Christ, everything becomes new. It's not a new location. It's not new friends. It's the newness from within. Friend, if you're ready for something new in your life, let me pray with you. Lord God, we come to you. And Lord Jesus, we come to you specifically because someone is listening and saying, I've tried everything. I can't shake this thing. I can't shake this addiction. I can't shake this problem. I fix it and it only gets worse. Lord God, help us. Help us, Lord, to move beyond. We can't do it on our own. We need you, Jesus. We believe in you. In Jesus' mighty name. I hope you are blessed by this testimony. And I know that your life was touched. If you need prayer, please give us a call at 877-480-4477. That's 877-480-4477. See you next time.